0: Father, in the next few moments, I ask you to just take this time that we have and may you allow for the word that you laid upon my heart, God, to permeate the places, the hearts, the minds that need it, and may you allow for us, God, to be growing in your word, growing in our faith, more determined in our mission. Thank you, Lord, for working and doing in us what we could not do by ourselves. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Incredible. Last week was incredible. Incredible workers, incredible selflessness, incredible communication and uh, integration, and and uh, I am so proud to be your pastor. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for your hard work, everyone who did do, did anything. I mean, we just it took so many people to put together last week our picnic. And um and I know the the distraction or the uh the detour that we had with not having electricity and uh Saturday night not coming on till I'd be mean, somewhere between 7 and 9, I'm not sure which, but thought about rebooting and going ahead and and uh going again, but for those of you who came and prayed at 11 o'clock, thank you for doing that. And um, I believe some connections are being made with our with our community, and our community knows, and uh, maybe you're part of the community that's never been here before, and and uh, we made an impression on you, and you said, you know what, maybe I want to come and, and check up what this, peop- this group of people are out- about, okay? Uh, we welcome you today. I hope you sense and know that uh, we're the real people, wanting to serve a real God and making a real difference, all right? And so we don't put on here. Um, we all got our own issues, and uh, we invite you to, to just continue worshiping with us. Someone said, well, I, I was here last week, and I, I, I said, well, you need to come back a couple of times in a row and so that you can know, you know, really what it's like. It's real hard to just kind of go someplace once and know everything that it's about. So thank you, those of you who served. Thank you if you're a guest here today. We just uh, are so uh, uh, appreciative that you would come back again, and we know you can worship uh, all kinds of places, but, but we believe that we're a loving people. And we believe that we have something to offer to you in relationship that will help you to grow in your faith. And uh, you can come to that place to where you will be helping people to grow as well. That's what it's about. So thank you for doing that. Uh, special thanks to Kim um, and uh, organizing the food and such like that. Uh, how many of you know that picnic can't happen without food? Amen. And. Uh, so many other captains and plate people and such that helped us out with that, but uh, it was it was organized. That's what I kept on hearing. How people enjoyed the, the organizations and, and my staff. Uh, can you give it up for your staff, your your, your pastoral staff and administration administrators? Uh, they worked hard in planning that and putting that all together, and uh, it was just it was great. So um, we have a an, uh, uh, an ministry opportunity for you. How many of you like ministry opportunities? Okay, how many of you know it's really important to sometimes you've got to bring yourself lower so that you can uh, uh, be built up? Okay, well, this particular ministry that we have is, is not on the high-profile list, all right? You see, there's this event called Unity. Anyone ever hear of it? Okay, yeah, it's something that's going to happen where about 60,000 people over the course of four days will show up down at the Heritage Park, and, and uh, it, it's just going to be a great time of praising and worshiping the Lord and, and pushing back the darkness. Say Amen. amen. All right. And uh, in order for that to happen, they also need lots of volunteers, like 700 volunteers, for instance. But part of the volunteers are responsible that we've accepted as a church is to help out with some of the cleanup. That means cleaning up the garbage and uh, picking up pop bottles. All right. That are already gathered in the receptacles. And, uh, you know, it's not a glowing type of ministry. It's not one where someone says, yeah, I grow up. I grew up to be able to do that. Okay, but but it's needed and uh, I, we're, we're we're behind the A-ball as far as getting our volunteers for that. Pastor Joel has been uh, uh, trying to tap into some resources and, and hasn't got a whole lot of response for that. And so from 2.30 to 5.30 on Wednesday, that's the free day, we need some people who can go ahead and go around and collect on with a cart and a dollies and those types of things. We'll equip you with such to be able to go and uh do what I just explained, so uh, I'm looking for, name, I'm looking for hands, I need six to eight people that be interested in doing that, that's free day right now, you say, I can do that, lift up your hand right now, if that's you in this place, uh, um, you got other things to do, you can't, okay, so, all right, I got one, and two, and three, four, um, volunteering to, Five. Six, seven, all right, good, seven, and, and right there, that's on Wednesday, From Tuesday. we have a longer shift on Thursday, now Thursday is a, a day, and if you haven't purchased tickets, you'll get in free to the concert, now Wednesday's free day, all right, but Thursday from 11.30 to 5.30 is the other time that we have, and you'll get free tickets that day, and you can observe the concert. you're not working the whole time, you still have plenty of time for ice cream, so- Say ice cream. <laughs> all right, and, and you, you can be able to do that, all right? But, but if from 11.30 to 5.30, it sounds like a long time because it is. It's a full shift. Raise your hand if you could do that for Thursday. You would like to go on Thursday. You'd like to get in. Uh, the hands are not going up as fast. All right, if you could serve us on, on Thursday from 11.30 to 5.30. Anybody here? Thir- I'm sorry. The Thursday of unity. Uh, I, I, so um, I don't know the date. Eighth, the eighth, okay? All right, so you need to see Pastor Joel if you can, okay? Well, you just can't work there. Okay, you just have to work. (laughs) All right, good, thank you, Trayvon. There we go. All right. We have a, also a, a need, these are kind of like the pastoral commercials, but I want you to be aware of the things that I think that are really important for us as a body. And uh, there is a family in our church that's going through a really hard time. I prayed for them a few moments ago, George and Lang, uh, Phyllis Langlois. Um, both of them, their bodies have been stricken with cancer in various ways. And uh, George is healing up from his last surgery and doing well, but in, in still extreme amount of pain. Phyllis has had a... a Uh, another attack of uh, a cancer in her throat and it's gone into other areas of her body and uh, the doctors have declared at this point in time there's nothing else that they can do. So she needs a miracle. She's on hospice care and uh, we really want to show our love to them. And the family is, is having a fundraiser to raise dollars to help them with the medical expenses. There's, there's a lot that's coming, has been coming up with both of them being hit at the same time. And there's a golf tournament at West Wind Golf Course. If you're a golfer, I have information I can give to you uh, concerning that. But I really would like you, as a, and we as a congregation, we don't do this with every single need that we have. There's lots of needs that's, that happen, but I think this is really important that we consider what we can do to help offset the cost that uh, this family is, is uh, experiencing and uh, to show our love to them. It's been quite a few weeks since George has been be with us. Phyllis has been struggling with the throat cancer for a, a, a number of years, and uh, I, just, I just want us to love on them. So uh, you can do that in one of two ways. You can contact the office. You can write a check, and you can put it in the, uh, the depository, or you can go electronically and special offering, and you can write Langloy there, and uh, you can do what you want to do with that. Um, but uh, just I want you to be aware that someone is in need. And I want you to uh, uh, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is that okay for everyone? All right, who knows that? All right. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verse number 12. Uh, I will not have this particular passage on the screen until we get down towards the end. So just hold there steady, if you would, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Luke chapter 24. I guess before we do that, so at the close of our service, or close of my message, we're going to have communion. And this is for us on the fourth Sunday of every month is when we have communion. If you happen to be someone who is gluten-free and you need a gluten-free wafer, at any time before the service on communion days when you've seen those communion trays out there, you can go up to one of our ushers and they can show you where to get a gluten-free uh, wafer so that when that goes by you can participate with us, all right? Luke chapter 24, verse number 12, on the road to Emmaus, Ask him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> what things? He asked, About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, say, but. <laughs> We had hoped, we had hoped we wanted something different, all right? That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, it's like add on, this this this, this drama, okay, they're just pouring it out. Some of our women amazed us. They went to his tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that even that, that they had seen a vision of angels who who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. on the road, and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen, has appeared to, and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I put those emphasis upon those pronouns intentionally because I wanted you to see that there was not a single type of experience that was happening, but it was a joint type of experience. It was a community experience. It was something that that was going to allow for them to grow from that particular point in time. Turn now to John 19, if you would. Verse 17. John 19, verse 17, says this, the crucifixion of Jesus. So the soldiers of Jesus took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which is Armaic, and is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him with two others. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with an undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. I'll bring that scripture verse up, if you would, please. So here... After this event, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. We've already prayed. And I want to let you know why we're zeroing in and dialing in this particular passage of Scripture. Because in this Scripture, we see a completely almost unrealistic and unbelievable action of Jesus, the Savior of the world. We see someone who was living for the eternal but was also who was aware of what was going on in his contemporary, was going on in the moment. You see, Jesus has prepared a place for us. All of us, this is a temporary home. We're aliens in this world, right? Our citizenship is of heaven, but he still realizes he has us here for this time, and during this time, he wants us to realize that we are not alone. You weren't meant to be alone. You weren't meant to be isolated. If you're a guest here today and you wonder, why in the world should I plug in and be part of the community or the body of Christ or the community of faith, it's because you will do better for yourself by plugging in and attaching to a community. Amen? It won't be problem-free. Someone raise your hand if you're problem-free. Ain't none of us problem-free, right? We all got our issues. We all got our things that are going on. But let me tell you something. You will be better. You will be better for it when you connect with the community of faith. And here, when Jesus is in all of the turmoil that is going on, and I'll visit this a few moments from now, uh, a little bit, but we see a group of people who had gathered, who did not leave, who was there with Jesus at the cross, and he's interested about his mother, and he says, woman, all of you moms ought to say, yeah. <laughs> it don't matter what's going on in your life. Someone ought to be concerned about mama, right? I love it. Woman, here's your son. And to this disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. When he took her into his home, it wasn't just to be a, a, a wall decoration, it wasn't just to be a burden or a responsibility. But it was so that she and he together could make it through the mourning that was taking place and be able to look forward to the future that had been gained because of what the son had accomplished. There was a miracle that was going on here in this particular moment that this woman, right, could be going through what she's going through and keep her, her sanity Come on, those moms know what I'm talking about. I would suggest to you today that the greatest pain and pleasure that you will experience in your life will be in the context of relationship. You hear what I said? The greatest pain and pleasure. Whatever, I mean, it's just like, oh my goodness, I I want the pleasure part. How many of you want the pleasure part? I mean, we want to leave the pain away, but guess what? The pain is necessary in order for you to grow. There's got to be a breaking. There's got to be something that happens within you. Tony Robbins says this. How many of you have heard of Tony Robbins before? Motivational speaker says, The secret of success is learning how to use pain and pleasure instead of having pain and pleasure use you. If you do that, you're in control of your life. If you don't, life controls you. Now, the scriptures that we've read give us a, a, a rewrite or review of an event that took place some, almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified, all right? And we find when he was also raised from the dead. And we, we hear the experience of two people who were walking on a road. And we see that as they were walking on the road, Jesus, whether he caused for it to happen, the spirit to happen, or they just didn't really realize it because of the grief and the mourning that was going on in them, didn't recognize who he was. It says they were kept from recognizing him. But then they finally, it was revealed to them, all right, but it was revealed to them. And we're going to get to that in a moment. One of the most important things that you need to understand about what I want to share with you today is the power of relationship, It always will stick stronger in you, the beliefs that you have, and the way in which you walk when you do life together with somebody else. Now, there's relationship that happens in relationship with a husband and wife or in a family and such. But over and over again, we find Jesus doing away with the idea of the emphasis just being upon a blood tie because of family and recognizing that all the people who were around him were just as important as his bloodline. In in fact, we have all been grafted into the bloodline, right, of Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with him. We are joint heirs with him. We are part of the body of Christ, amen? That's the bloodline that we're part of. But it's not the natural one that many people think of. Some people would try to push that, that family card upon Jesus, and he says, listen, I love them all the same. That's what he said in his actions, right? We find here that Cleo and his unnamed associate is traveling along and, and they're headed in the wrong direction. They're going to, on the road to Emmaus. And we, we find here that they, as I said before, I pointed out those parts about the pronouns. They ask each other, We're not our hearts. They're having this discovery of what's going on and what has just happened together. They're inquiring, they're spurring one another on. You know, it's really hard for you to get everything you need to get in the spirit realm if you just try to figure it all out by yourself. These small groups that we try to encourage you to be part of that we call life groups are places to where you can break it down, to where you can do life together, to where you can stumble and someone will be there to be able to pick you up and and you can be able to ask questions about the Scriptures and say, what do you think about this and why do you think that way? These are important times for you not to be alone. The body of Christ, the, the enemy wants to isolate you. He wants you to make you think that you can do it all alone. Oh, guess what? Salvation is something you have to do for yourself. But growing in Christ is something that we do together. We find it so important for us to have somebody else. The title of this message is called Love Starts Here. Say that with me. Love starts here. It starts here. It starts upon a cross. Really? a place of death? Love starts here. I could think of all kinds of other places and experience in life where I could say that love starts here. At a marriage altar, right? You would say love starts here. At At the bringing of new life into the world, you would say that love starts here. But let me tell you, none of that love can experience and be happened in its reality that will eternally change anybody until it starts here. But there's something about this that you need to understand. There's something about this cross and, and, the, and the message. And, and I'm sure that the, the, the Roman soldiers didn't think about this when they were nailing him to the cross. But it's something that can stick within our minds so that we can help us to realize we're not supposed to be doing this alone. We're supposed to be doing this together. So I'm just going to set this here for a moment. It might sit up. Yeah, it will. Love starts here. You know, you've heard some people who would make this statement and say, all that I need is Jesus. Anyone ever hear someone say that before? I'm not going to ask you if you said it before. Okay, it's not wrong, all right? Or someone says, as long as I got Jesus, I don't need anyone else. Now, These are important theological statements when you understand, maybe in the comparison that someone is making and and, and the analogy they're trying to make, okay? But I want you to know something. Even Jesus needed a team. The very first thing after coming out of the wilderness, he went and looked for some people that he could pick to join his team in a three-year ministry, He knew that he was going to be here for just a little while. He needed some people to be there with him. Don't you think if Jesus needed some people with him, that you need some people with you? Don't you think that when he says that you're a disciple, you're a follower of Christ, that you ought to be like me, that we ought to get some other people to travel in this journey with us? It's significant that he revealed himself to these two people, and they only figured it out. Really, after he was gone. I mean, he he was serving the bread. They realized it, and then, and then the sinking in moment happened. And they said, wasn't our hearts burning within us? We knew that there was something was going on. We didn't have words for it. We didn't maybe even say anything to one another. But guess what? We were experiencing the same thing. How many of you love it when somebody experiences the same thing with you? That same emotional. When I go on a roller coaster, all right, and I like to talk about the thrill of that and how high we went and how fast we went down and such, and I can't go with the youth this year. Oh, bummer deal. But, hey, you know, um, when, when, when I get to go, I just, I just love that, and, and I love to get with other people who've, who also likes to enjoy that, Right? If I go and have a common, now I have lots of places of, of, uh, of collaboration and lots of places of experiences with my wife that's really enjoyable, but going on roller coasters is not one of those. She is petrified. She will freak out on some of the things that I love and I have great joy experiencing. So to talk with her about my experience on the roller coaster does not bring me the joy that I get when I spot it with another enthusiast, right? Someone who can identify with it. Someone who likes it just as much as I do. I mean, we need to understand some things about the cross. I want to tell you something. If we only keep our relationship with Jesus in place, to the invisible God, we do not really have to deal with other people. But that's not what you're made for. You'll notice something about the cross, and that is that this has a vertical and a horizontal plane to this cross, right? When it goes up it's like Jesus, that represents our vertical relationship. You have to have a vertical relationship with, 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 with God, right? But you also have to have what? A horizontal relationship. And that is where Jesus held out his arms like this. And he said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? He said, it's so important for you to realize this. It's so important that you realize that love starts here. If you truly want to do those things. You see, something happens when you try to do things by yourself, all right? I mean, you, you, when you just try to have this vertical relationship and you want to leave the rest of the world behind, you don't want to deal with all of the other scenarios that are involved with dealing with people. You could say, well, God gets me when nobody else doesn't. And before you know it, you're traveling down a tangent. You're off on a wrong road. You're thinking things through because you've got nobody who's, who, who's coming with you and helping you to truly understand what the Word of God is saying for you and your life. I want to tell you something. They, Cleo and his friend, had just watched Jesus die on the cross. They had walked some seven miles to Emmaus And they thought things were over. But can I tell you something? Things were only about to begin. Say that with me. Things were only about to begin. You see, it's love got it started with the one on the cross. Someone here today needs to know that no matter what you're going through, it is not the end. It's just getting started. Come on, say it with me. It's just getting started. It's not the end when you feel like you're all alone, all right? If you will just look around you and realize what God has put in place to help you to make it over the next hill, through the next valley, around the next corner. You don't have to be alone. Someone needs to know right now that no matter how difficult it is, how dark it is, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay on the road to Emmaus any longer. They were upset about this statement, the king of the Jews. Pilate just says, live with it. He claimed to be the king of the Jews. Isn't it interesting how sometimes people around us who are unspiritual may have a clearer understanding or at least a proclamation that comes out than those who are professing to be followers of Christ? You don't have to admit to this, but I'm I'm sure because I've actually seen and heard it done where you've been out in a public square in a marketplace thing and somebody's having a conversation about what Christians should or shouldn't be doing. They're not believers, but guess what? They know what Christians should or shouldn't be doing. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) And you might say that's judgmental. I'm telling you, that there's something. There's this There's this innate thing that that, that that people have. You see, it's about time that you get rid of your shackles. It's about time that you get rid of your shame. It's about time that you get rid of anything that's limiting you in having a relationship with other people. It's about time that you get rid of your unforgiveness. It's about time that you quit uh, uh, letting your fears and your doubts and your lack of understanding stopping you from growing, all right? You need to humble yourself, and that hum- humility comes when we reach out on a horizontal and we say, I need you. We look at that problematic, cantankerous, irritating individual that may be in your life that you have to see on a daily or on a weekly basis. And guess what? You start to understand that God has put them in your life. I said God has put some problems in your life, right? And it's a people, it's the flesh and blood. Now the Bible says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Do you know where that's happening? You know where that warfare is happening? It's not happening because of what that person's displaying. It's happening because of how you are responding to the adversity and the trial. Some, some, some of us are waiting for people to start acting different so that we can start acting better. You're trying to put upon them the responsibility for the way in which we're acting. When God is saying enough is enough, you've traveled on the road. How about you understand that you got to have a vertical relationship, but you also need a horizontal one. You need to understand that love starts with the one on the cross. And he demonstrated a love for us that was unlike anything that's ever been demonstrated before. When I need to know that God loves me, I need to know, I don't need to know what's happening in my life. I don't need to just to, to look at the, what's happening in the instant. Because sometimes the things that are happening in the now are overwhelming. Sometimes they distort my view of the love that he actually has for me. But I need to remember what he did. I need to remember that that, that he said that what I'm doing is forever. I need to remember the verses that says that I can't go anywhere. I can't go deep enough. I can't go high enough. I can't go east or west or far far enough away that his love is constantly after me. And you know where that gets to be seen? It gets to be seen by him on the cross, but it gets to be demonstrated in my reception within my heart. When we take a look at this middle man on the cross, the one who hung there, we understand that he is the Jesus. He is the one who could have called and 12 legions of angels would have come in a moment's notice and taken him off that cross. You need to realize that he was there before the foundations of the world and he agreed to submit himself to his creation to suffer for our sins. Love starts on the cross. What happens on the cross cannot be depicted as much as we tried to with some type of film. Even if Mel Gibson is involved, you know what I'm saying. It's it, it, it still, as, as gruesome as that was, as hard as that was to watch, it still cannot depict the heartache that was in the master's, what was in our God, the Father's heart, as his son was upon the cross. You know, when Jesus died, These individuals were talking about how their hope was deferred. They were talking about how difficult it was to to go on. All they could talk about that everything had gone how how they didn't want it to go. Can I suggest to you that as long as we keep on thinking about how the disappointment of how things aren't going the way we want them to go, you're never able to look towards God and believe for the impossible to happen so they can go the way they're supposed to go. You see, we need to change our focus. Oh, it's real easy for us to cry out and to say, praise you, Jesus, when Jesus is the one who is right there. When the word is preaching the word, how many of you know you'd be a little bit excited? But all of a sudden, when the word becomes the one who's being crucified, you begin to doubt, you begin to wonder. I want to tell you something. Some people who claim to be loyal to you, Get to prove that loyalty when they're with you in the thick, when they're with you in the darkness, when they're with you in the valley of despair. Sometimes circumstances will happen in our life, and you get to see those who really love you and those who don't. Some will ride with you in the limo, but when the limo breaks down, they don't want to take the taxi. (laughs) Right? It's so important for you to realize. Listen. I want you to understand who was at the cross that day. It wasn't all of the disciples. Matthew wasn't there. He had an account and some events and some things that took place. He was there when he seen Peter, you know, walk across the water. He was there for some important events, you know, in the, in the, in the breaking of the bread uh, with regards to the, the feeding of the 5,000 and such. But, but here on this particular day, he wasn't there. You know who else wasn't there? Peter wasn't there. The one who said, "I'll stay with you until the very end. No way will I ever deny you." Andrew wasn't there. He thought Jesus was amazing until it t- came time for the cross. Nathaniel wasn't there. Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, James, son of Thunder. If anyone ought to have be, been there, right? But no, he wasn't there. But guess who was there? John, the quiet one. The one who says and calls himself the beloved. When it came to the cross, we have to come to appreciate those who were there. Those who were there helped to complete the cross. Love starts with the one on the cross, but look at this next one. Love, look at this, next slide please. Love is completed by who is at the cross. Jesus understood a responsibility that he has a son, which is a care for his mom. And he sends a message to us that, guess what? I'm not leaving this part, this responsibility undone. I may be leaving from this world, and we could have used another scripture verse, the one that talks about how Jesus in John 15 through 17, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out, and he says, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'm sending someone to be here with you who will be your comforter. He is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is all about carrying out his responsibility. He is all about you not being alone. He is all about you realizing, guess what? You can't do it by yourself. But love is only completed at the cross. It starts at the cross, but it's completed at the cross. When he looks upon all of those people who are there, and he sees his mom, he sees the other ladies who are there, and he says, and you, John, you, the only one that is here out of all of my disciples, this is your responsibility responsibility out of all the things that he could have said I'm passing my mantle on to you like Elijah did for Elijah you're gonna do more miracles than all the rest of the disciples because they couldn't show up in the hard times in the dark times and he gives him this menial possibly menial burdensome task of Take this woman to be your mother and care for her. How many of you know that somebody wants... Someone's calling me by night now. (laughs) Sorry about that. Someone wants to be important, right? But the importance of who you are to Jesus... To God, your Father, the one who has given you assignment, is if whether or not you carry out those things that we deem as insignificant. We look at the big things. We look at all the things that we could be doing, and we wonder. We say, Lord, can't you give me something more important? Peter's going to go out from here, and and he's going to have this responsibility, that responsibility, these different types of things. But you, John, you take care of my mom, for this is where love will be complete. Now I'm thankful the Lord gives us do-overs, and there was redemption, and there was another do-over for for Peter, and for Matthew, and for Andrew, and and all the Bartholomew, and all, all those other ones. But you know what? It's so important that we realize that God has something to do for each and every one of us, and we shouldn't ever belittle it. Go ahead with the next slide, if you would, please. Here's what I want you to understand, and i got three things real quickly. Sometimes the greatest testimony of your loyalty is not what you say to someone, but how you will stand with them. He was risking his own life through association and identification. If they killed Jesus, don't you think they'd kill any of his followers? It, it, and there he is, waiting, waiting there with Jesus. Maybe hoping that something else would take place, but, and this is the assignment that he gets, but it is a testimony of your loyalty. Is not on what you say to someone, but with how you'll stand with them. Say this next slide with me. Love starts here. Amen? Next point, please, if you would. Some of the people that you actually hate the most actually help you get to the place that you need to be to do what God has called you to do. There's lots of people today if you could see Judas because he was a betrayer you'd want to smack him. Right? How dare you? How dare you betray our Savior? How dare you set him up that way? Most of us hate betrayal. At any level. But without Judas, there would be no crucifixion. It's confusing to me because it's like, why was it even necessary? I mean, Jesus was in the synagogues. He was preaching. it's what he kind of says. And, and now he has to go through this. But guess what? Judas gets named this bad guy. And he was an absolutely necessary component within the whole master plan of God. I wonder who might be a necessary horizontal relationship for you that you have grown to hate. One that you would rather eradicate and be done away with. Now, I'm not saying that you you, you never have to remove some things from your life, some people from your life. But I wonder that after it's been removed, are you able to grow from it? Are you able to say, Lord... Now I know how I need to respond to that situation in the future. Some of you have had the horrible experience of going through a divorce and, and, and the one that pledged to be with you for life, things didn't turn out the way in which you wanted them to. And the enemy would love to put hate within your heart. Love to just think of that person all the time and a sheer disgust comes in your heart and your mind for them. Right or wrong. The Bible says we've got to forgive. The Bible says that you will experience freedom when you quit hating the ones who may have helped you to get to the place because you're here today, you're hearing this message, you're able to say, I'm going to become a better person than what I was before because of the pain and the joys, the pleasures of that relationship. Say this with me in this next slide. Love starts here. Amen? Now, the last point is this. God says we do not need validation to be in someone else's mouth. God says I need that validation to be on that cross. Praise team, come if you would, please. Here's what I want you to understand. Too many of us are looking for what other people have to say in order for us to be built up and to become and do the things that God wants us to do here's what I want you to understand there will be people who will not stand by your side and you can concentrate and you can focus upon those people and it will take you down a path that will totally distort your mission that God has for you all right but instead you need to look at those people who are around you you need to look at the people who's left sometimes those cantankerous those difficult situations have come into your life so that you can learn how to respond to people in a right manner and way listen someone may have thought about what you, about, about you, what you are thinking about them at some point in your life. Have you thought about that for a moment? That you were the cantankerous, that you were the difficult, that you were the emotional uh, uh, um, basket case. Hello? Can you hear me? Do you understand that somebody may need you today to be merciful to them? Somebody may need you today to stretch out your arms, and you you need to encourage them. You need to find a way to be able to say, you know what, this wasn't done for me. And, and, And I've heard it said foolishly sometimes. I've heard parents say, well, you know, you're just lucky you didn't grow up underneath my dad or underneath my mom's rule because you wouldn't get away with that. That mom, that dad... Helped to shape you. Now they shaped you in the right way possibly or the wrong way, but it wasn't because of them alone. It's because of how you responded to it. And we almost sometimes wear our our bad actions as a sign of approval because we compare ourselves and say, I'm not as bad as somebody else. You, you only have to realize how, how difficult it was. How about not comparing yourselves to the, to the bad people in your life, but comparing yourself to the Jesus to whom you're following after? The one who says, Guess what? Are you going to be like me? That last scripture verse, if you would, please. Or the next saying, please. It's like, Love starts here, all right? But I want you to read the scripture verse with me in closing, for in Philippians chapter two, verse one and eight, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Carry on. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should what? Which was what? He was concerned, right? But yeah, be the very he, he was concerned about the horizontal. He was concerned that that we would understand you're not alone, right? Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Go ahead, next. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Hmm. Bow your heads with me if you would, please. Father we come to you right now. And we're thankful that you have given to us an opportunity to hear your word today and to realize the the goal that you have for us is to become more like you. And there's things that we don't understand. It's it's it, it's it's difficult and and sometimes we don't humble ourselves and we just try to do it alone. We try to have this vertical relationship with you, which is absolutely essential. It has to take place. But we don't have the horizontal one with the others that you put into our lives to help us or to learn from. And so I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would help us to realize the importance of becoming like you and concern with things that you were concerned with. With your dying breath, you demonstrated a concern for other people. I can't, I can't even imagine if I would even be concerned about that at that moment in time with all the pain and excruciating difficulty I was experiencing. And yet, Lord, you did. So I ask you, Lord, to help us in the midst of our pain to think for a moment. God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name, that you will help us to become like you in the midst of our pain, we won't try to strike out. We won't try to defend. We won't try to, to, to prop ourselves up. I pray in Jesus' name that individuals within this place today will recognize as they identify by taking these emblems in Holy Communion that they say, I will become like you. I will take on your attitude. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Come, Holy Spirit, now in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and you may be in this place today. You may not be ready to meet Jesus, not because you're just so so bad, all right, but because you haven't surrendered. You see, the bad things are not the things that keep you out. It's a lack of surrender in your life. Jesus is saying, whosoever calls upon me, whosoever recognizes that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that he came and offered himself as a living sacrifice for you. And because of that sacrifice, all of your sins have been washed away. But you have not been living that way. You have not been receiving him. And and I, I invite you today to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that or you're not in right relationship with him right now, lift up your hand in this place today. We're about to receive Holy Communion. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. Yes, I see that. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Where are you at today? You want to start over. You want to start new. I see that. God bless you. Put your hand down. God bless you. Someone else. I got at least three to four individuals right now. Yes, I see that. God bless you. God bless you. You want to get in the right relationship with him right now. It can happen. You can receive this, this holy communion. You could take these emblems, his broken body, and his shed blood into your hands, and you could say, I identify with you. I take on your attitude. It will mean something more to you today than it's ever meant before. Those of you who are believers here today, listen, you need to lay some things down, some animosity, some irritations, some things that you allowed to distract you and not help you to find your purpose or your plan that God has for you in life. You need to lay it down because it's stopping you. It's stopping you from achieving the purpose that God has for you. Where are you at today? Where are you at today? I feel strongly this. Every head about please, just a private moment. If there is hurt in here, If you have hurt in your heart because of horizontal relationships that have not gone the way in which you want them to go, would you, by the uplifted hand, say, I'm going to lift my hand up and I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to do some work on me. Heal some things that is there right now. Come on, pick up your hand if you're in this place today. That's you. Yes. Holy Spirit, lift your hand. Just keep your hand there for a moment. Oh, Holy Spirit, right now, move. You see right now what's happening in this place. And and amongst these people, I pray in Jesus' name, that you will do what no man can do. Your spirit will come into the situation, will come into both their minds and the hearts of every hand that is raised, and they will find themselves patterning themselves after you, the word. Thank you, Lord, for giving them hope, them fixing their minds in Jesus' name. If you receive that, you can go ahead and put your hand down. (laughs) Let's pray this prayer of commitment. Everybody here together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that was demonstrated by your Son on the cross. I receive you, maybe once again, or for the very first time, as my Lord and Savior. Come and rule in my life. Help me to be what you want me to be.